Today, I want to look at one of the most important aspects of the Christian faith, the Bible. As followers of Jesus, everything we believe and everything we do should be based on scripture. But do we have any evidence to suggest that this book is divine? Do we have any evidence that this is an accurate representation of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ? Do we have any evidence that this book hasn't been changed in the last couple thousand years? Well, that's what we want to look at today. So just as a reminder, last week I looked through the evidence for whether or not God exists. So that, that video will be in the description if you and I encourage you to go back and watch that if you're new to this channel but today we want to go past whether or not God exists and we want to ask the question is the God is the God who exists the God of the Bible so that's what we're gonna look at today and we're gonna try to see if the evidence supports the Bible or not so just as a little introduction so blind faith means believing in something with absence of evidence. There's no evidence for something, and there's no evidence against something, but you believe it anyway. That's the definition of blind faith. Unreasonable faith means believing in spite of evidence to the contrary of what you believe. It means you believe this even though there is strong evidence that the thing you believe is not true. That's unreasonable faith. But our goal as Christians, what we should have is a sensible, rational, reasonable faith that lines up with evidence, logic, and experience. So what we believe should line up with evidence logic and experience that's what we're aiming for today so because the bible claims to be god's word it claims to be um the evidence that that, that, that people share about their experiences from more than two thousand years ago uh it, it claims to be a testimony so we're going to look at this in a, in a similar way to the way people in a court case look at the the verbal testimony of an eyewitness to 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 any criminal case so we're going to treat the bible as though it's a testimony being presented in court so we're going to look at that the same way so when it comes to determining the strength of a testimony there are six tests there are six aspects to a testimony to determine whether or not it's valid and accurate so this is exactly how we're going to test the bible today are the people who wrote the Bible eyewitnesses? Is there consistency in the testimony? Are there verifiable facts included in the Bible? Is there a time separation between the events and when the Bible was written? Is, are the witnesses, are the, the people who wrote the Bible biased towards anything? And can the facts mentioned in the Bible be corroborated by anything outside of Scripture? So that's how we're going to determine, uh, we're going to look at those to see if the Bible is God's word is it an accurate testimony? So let's look at the first thing. So the first is, are they eyewitnesses? So if you read scripture at all throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, people constantly claim that they were involved in the events that they are describing. They say they were there. Even sometimes it was them, the, the very author who wrote the book, were the people involved in the action. So throughout the Bible, it's constantly claimed to be eyewitnesses. Even um, uh, when Luke wrote, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account. 
So even Luke, with the, 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 the gospel of Luke and Acts, who he also wrote, said he took all the things that he heard from eyewitnesses, plus his own story, and then wrote it down to share with us. That's just one good example. The scripture is constantly, uh, it, it throughout, it claims to be an eyewitness account of the events described. So that one's not really in question. Scripture absolutely claims to be eyewitnesses. So let's move on to the second part. So is there consistency? in scripture. So there are a few ways that we're going to determine consistency. So is there internal consistency? Does this, does the Bible agree with itself or are there some things uh, where one part of scripture says one thing and then another part of scripture says something that is in conflict with itself? And then we're going to look at manuscripts. So this is just a handwritten version of the letters, the, the whatever books of the Bible. So what evidence do we have of from manuscripts throughout history that uh, whether are they consistent and are they the same as the, the Bible we have today? But then because this is the Bible, it's going to go way beyond the accuracy we expect of testimony in a court case. And that's because we have prophecy. There are actually things in the Bible from the Old Testament that that claim to predict things that happen in the New Testament. So we're going to look at those three things to determine whether or not the Bible has consistency. So first, we're going to look at internal consistency. So the Bible was written over a period of about 1,500 years. There are 66 books, more than 35 different authors, and there is zero significant disagreements. There's, there's nothing of significant disagreement that happens throughout any of Scripture. And on top of that, Themes such as love, forgiveness, and redemption, and many others that run throughout the entirety of the Bible all the way from start to finish. There are these themes that just unite the entire thing. And even across all of these themes, all of these books, it includes genres like poetry, history, law, prophecy, wisdom, gospel, letters, and even apocalyptic writing. So across all of these genres, all of these books, all of these authors, all of these years, there is a tremendous amount of internal consistency where nothing in the Bible contradicts something else from the Bible in any significant manner. So in terms of internal consistency, the Bible is very, very consistent. So now let's look at manuscript consistency. So again, when we look through history in terms of the old ancient existing copies of scripture are they consistent or is there a significant amount of disagreement and diversity and just differences throughout scripture or are they all very consistent so when we look at this uh, we have so many manuscripts so there are more than 5,000 greek 10,000 Latin, 4,000 Slavic, 2,000 Armenian, and then Ethiopian, Coptic, Syriac, and others, there's about another 2,000. So combined, that's well over 20,000 copies of, of scripture. So some of them are long, almost entire books. Some of them are just small fragments that have, that have just managed to survive for, th for more than a thousands of, a thousand years. So when we look at this, 
there's zero significant di differences. Sometimes a word might be misspelled. Sometimes there might be a decimal or a period in the wrong place, but there are absolutely zero significant disagreements in all of these more than 20,000 uh, uh, manuscripts. So when we compare the Bible to some of the other ancient works of history, let's see how they compare. So when we talk about Homer's Iliad, there are about 643. So even Sophocles, less than 200, even famous uh, authors like Aristotle, there are fewer than 50, and even Plato, less than 10 existing manuscripts from their works. So when we look at this, again, compared to the more than 20,000 copies for the Bible, when we look at these other works, they're just so small, so few. We have such minimal evidence for these uh, these authors and these books. And yet, when it comes to history, with, when it, with these books, there are very few people who challenge the authenticity. Even of Plato and Aristotle's works, Very there are very few people who argue that it's been changed over time, that it's been corrupted. People believe that the words we have uh, today are accurate descriptions of the words of Aristotle and Plato and Homer. And yet, even with, the, with this little evidence, people claim that it's accurate. And then yet, with the Bible, how much more evidence we have that this Bible is accurate. That what we have today is the same that was written almost 2,000 years ago. Just such incredibly strong evidence that the, that the Bible, uh, that even from these manuscripts, that the Bible is accurate. So now let's go on. So again, the Bible, we have a bonus thing that goes above and beyond the other things that you would use in a court case. So let's look at the prophecies. So some people believe there's a, a large number, even more than three hundred prophecies um, that were uh, that were fulfilled in the New Testament from the Old Testament. And all of these, every because there was a 400-year gap between the last book of the Old Testament and the, the birth of Jesus, there were the 400-year gap. We know that all of the prophecies written in the Old Testament are more than 400 years before the birth of Jesus. Some are more like a 1,000 or, or more years. But even when we look at these prophecies, most of them are outside normal human control. Things about, about the Messiah's birth, about their family, even about their death, even miraculous things that would happen in the life of the Messiah and, and other things. So there are just so many prophecies about Jesus that are fulfilled in the New Testament. So I'm going to share with you 44. Now, I'm not going to read all of these. You can pause the screen. You can look up these Bible verses and see, check to see if this is actually true. So here are the first 22. So things about the Messiah, about uh, Jesus that were prophesied in the Old Testament and that came true in these different passages in the New Testament. So again, so many of the important aspects of Jesus' life were prophesied. There were the first 22, and here are another 22. Again, prophecies that, all, that, that are divine, that are about Jesus' life, that were prophesied more than 400 years before he, were bor he was born, that were fulfilled 
in his life. So again, not only do we know that it's accurate, because of these uh, prophecies, that is very strong evidence that there is divine influence, even in the Old Testament, that the Old Testament authors were being guided by God to write those words so that they would come true in the future. So let's go ahead and move on to the third aspect of the testimony. So are there verifiable facts? Are there things that, that can be proven either true or false, as opposed to just things like feelings, emotions, preferences, uh, verifiable facts? So when we're looking about that, we're, we're asking details such as who, what, where, when, and why, and how. So we're looking for specific details that can be proven either true or or false. Again, police officers, when they're looking for a testimony, they want to know what time something happened. They want a description of the person who committed the crime. They want to know the facts so that they can either be proven true or false. So now when we look throughout scripture, in the Old Testament, we see tons where things are mentioned about specific places, specific names, specific times, and dozens of archaeological confirmations have happened from the Old Testament, where they've found cities, they found inscriptions, they found so many things that con that corroborated and confirmed the accounts from the Old Testament. But it ju doesn't just stop there. So when we look at just the last half of Acts, which was the the book which describes the actions of the followers of Jesus shortly after he died and was resurrected. This just the last half of this book has 84 facts. So when but when that have been confirmed through archaeology and other types of um, scientific study. So not only are there 84 verifiable facts in that part of the book, the cr the most amazing thing is that in there in that exact same portion there are 35 miracles. 30, 35 times which which uh, Luke wrote that, that described divine intervention from God. So literally in this book, you'll have times where, where Luke will say, we went to this city at this time and met with this person and this miracle happened. So when we talk about this, it's just amazing to read scripture from a historical and even from a, from a, from a, a like putting the Bible on trial because right there in scripture, we have verifiable facts mixed in with miracles. So that's the account. That's the thing. So now we're, we're going to keep looking a little bit more to determine um, just what is the significance of this? Can Is this reliable? Are, are these things something we can really put our faith in? So we're going to move on to the fourth part of the test. So time separation. So this, uh, even though the Bible contains so many verifiable facts, even though it has contained prophecies, this is the one where, the, the, in my opinion, the most, most of the critics, most of the skeptics will challenge the Bible when it comes to time separation. So let's just look at a fact. So the Bible that we have today was canonized. It was finalized um, in, in the year 363 during the Council of Laodicea. So the, from the year 363 on, that's when we have the Bible. We already, we have existing copies of the entirety of scripture that date to this time. So we know that by this, that this year, that the Bible we have today dates back to then. But still, that's 300 years 
from the time of the death of Jesus until the canonization of scripture, 300 years. A lot can happen in that time. Obviously, multiple, multiple generations will come and go. So it's easy to imagine that the, that whatever Jesus did could have become legend and could have been myth. And that even just his teachings could have been changed. And that so many things could be, could be altered over the period of 300 years that make the Bible we have today not reliable. So yeah, what happened with 300 years? Well, just because that's when the final scripture was canonized and when we have the, uh, an existing copy that's that old, that doesn't mean that's the oldest manuscripts. So the oldest manuscript we have is actually from the book of John, and it's dated from the, the year 115 to 140 AD. Now, the, 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 this is important because the, the gospel of John was written about the year 95 AD. So this means that people who were alive at the date that that book was written were still alive when that manuscript, which we have in our possession, was written. So one lifetime, easily covers 95 to even 140 AD. So again, what was originally written was is the exact same thing within one lifetime of the existing copy that we have today. So again, some things are older, some things are newer. But when it comes to the year 200 AD, we have complete copies of several New Testament books. And by 250, we have most, we have full complete copies of most of the New Testament books. So still, we have, we have existing manuscripts from even within a couple hundred years of, 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 of when the events occurred. But not only do we have the existing manuscripts of scripture itself, we have external things from Christians who were writing about scripture. So let's just take a look through this. So when we talk about the, the apostle John, who wrote the, the gospel of John and the book of Revelation, he, he lived from about the year 6 to 100 AD. So we, we actually have a chain of people that, that were, were discipled by him and then discipled going forward in time. So John discipled Ignatius, who, who lived for that long, and we have seven books written by him. Ignatius to Polycarp to Irenaeus. And we have, again, all of these books that were written by these people obviously during their lifetime, which describe many of the things, many of the, the most important aspects of scripture. And so again, we have all the way until almost, uh, almost the time of that council of Laodicea, just from John's disciples. And then we go from John to Paul. Of course, he taught those people. They taught others. And it just goes through Pius to Justin Martyr, even to Tatian. So we have, again, this, this series, this lineage of people teaching others. And we even have their books that we can use to corroborate and confirm the, uh, the accounts that we have in the Bible. And not just them, we also even have Peter, who taught all these other people, who taught Cl Clement of Alexandria. We have a ton of his writings, and even Oregon, and then even um, uh, Eusebius, who's actually the person who was in charge of putting together the, uh, the, 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 the canonization of Scripture. He picked the books and put together the canonization that was presented at the Council of Laodicea. So again, we have three separate chains of custody, three separate chains where the original apostles taught others who taught others who wrote tons of works through uh, about scripture. So and when we look at that, 
every important concept from the Bible is affirmed multiple times through the writings of these church fathers. So that just goes to show that the Bible we have today, all of the essentials are, are, are confirmed through these early church writings. We can have confidence in knowing that the Bible we have today was the same that the apostles, the same things that the apostles were teaching. So to go even further, even the most harsh skeptics and people who criticize Christianity agree that Paul was an author and that he wrote at least four books, including Romans, Galatians, and 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So that they, they they know, they believe, even they will admit that Paul wrote these books. So again, when it comes to that, then that means that Paul died in the year 67 AD. And all the essential doctrines of the, of the church, of the Bible, are found in these books. And this is less than 40 years after the life and death of Christ. So less, we have some of these books less than 40 years after Christ. Again, that's one lifetime. That means there are people living as Paul was writing those letters, sending them to the churches, and as they were being distributed around the Roman Empire, there were people still alive who remembered, people who experienced the life, the miracles, the teachings of Jesus Christ. And yet they, they all confirm this. They say that these teachings are accurate. They're real good descriptions. Again, every single aspect of the faith is confirmed and, 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 re and corroborated so many times through these early writings and even to 40 years within the time of Jesus so just to go one step further and compare the, the Bible 40 years compared to some of the other uh, uh, works of ancient history. So the earliest manuscript we have of Homer's Iliad is 500 years after the original authorship. Again, all of these other ones, even Aristotle and Plato, more than a thousand years between when they were written and when we have an existing manuscript of that work. And again, hardly anyone claims that these things are not accurate. They, they, people just believe that these are the accurate representations of these people's teachings and their, their history is an accurate representation of history, that it hasn't been changed over time. And yet people still try to claim that the Bible has been corrupted, even in a span of 40 years or less than 100 years. That's just not realistic. It's not accurate. We have so much confidence that the Bible is accurate. So let's move on to number five. So the apostles, were they biased? Was there any reason why they would lie, why they would invent this story? So again, in a court case, if, if the wife has a motive to kill the husband, maybe a life insurance policy, maybe she'll get a lot of money if her husband dies. So we need, we need to look at the, the motivations, the bias. Is there any reason why the apostles would have invented this story? So when it comes to people who lie, people who make false testimonies, or basically commit any other crime, any other sin, it can be broken down to only three reasons. And that's money, sex, and power. If you want to find out who committed a crime, find out who benefited, who benefited through money, sex, and power, and you are almost always going to find the person who committed that crime. And especially when it comes to something like a testimony, the only reason you would lie is if it benefited you to lie. So let's look just to see if, if the, the apostles, how they compare to this. So 
all the early church leaders renounced riches and power, and they only advocated sex in a monogamous marriage. So they did not benefit from these teachings in any earthly way. They, they died without money. They died um, after lots of persecution and oppression. The early church leaders did not benefit in any earthly way from the teachings that they shared. So again, there's absolutely no logical reason why the disciples would have made up their testimony. So let's go to the final thing, external corroboration. Is there anything outside of scripture, not just outside of scripture, is there anything outside of Christianity that confirms that the teachings of the Bible are accurate compared to the early teachings of the church? So um, again, I'm not going to go through all of these, but there are 17 undisputed facts. When we look at the Roman historian Cornelius, the Jewish uh, Josephus, and even historians Thallus, Pliny, and Lucius, and a few others, there are 17 facts which are corroborated between a mix of these people about the teachings of Christianity, about the life, the times of Jesus and his followers, and all 17 of these align perfectly with what we see in scripture. Again, you can pause, you can read those on your own time. So these external corroborations are very important. So when it comes to a court case, if 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 a witness said, I saw the, the person who committed the crime wearing a bright red shirt, but then we find that the the the, that the wife of the person who in, was involved said, oh yeah, my husband was wearing a bright red shirt when he left for work today. When you have external corroboration, that doesn't prove that the testimony was right, but it proves, it, it gives a huge amount of credibility to the testimony. So again, all of these 17 things aligning perfectly with the, the, the testimony we see from scripture, again, even outside of of the Christian church, we see so much evidence that the Bible we have today is an accurate representation of the life, the teachings of Jesus, and the life and teachings of Jesus' followers. So let's just, just summarize again. Are they eyewitnesses? Absolutely. They claim to be there during the events. Is there consistency? Internal consistency? Yes. Is there, uh, with all the manuscripts, is there consistency? Yes. And even with prophecy from the Old Testament pointing forward towards the New Testament, being thing, things being fulfilled in the life of Jesus and his followers. Are there verifiable facts? Absolutely. There are so many things in scripture that can be proven either true or false, and all of them that have been proven have been proven true. So many verifiable facts in scripture. Time separation, it's down to 40 years. And even within that time, we have uh, proof. We have, sh we have very strong evidence that, the, that, that there was very little separation, even less than one lifetime between when Jesus died and when the, the, the scriptures we have were written. The, the, the people who wrote the Bible had no bias because they didn't benefit from this writing. And there are so many external corroborations for the facts mentioned in the Bible. So there is no reason to doubt that the Bible we have today is reliable, especially regarding the life, 
teachings and actions of Jesus Christ. So again, last week, I showed all the scientific evidence for the existence of God. Today, I showed that there is such strong evidence that the Bible is God's word and that this Bible we have today is uh, the accurate teachings of Jesus and it, that it has not been changed or corrupted throughout the years. But we're not quite done yet. There's one more message I want to share with you. Next week, I want to look at the most important event in Christian history, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to show that there is good evidence to support that Jesus died and was resurrected. Uh, but we're going to look at that next week. So again, if, if you like this message, I'd love to hear from you. I hope you'll write me a message, send me a comment, let me know what you thought. And uh, if you'd like to hear more teachings about how to put your faith into practice, I hope you'll like, subscribe, and follow to this channel. God bless.